hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Ryan Clayton Podcast. It's been a while, and this is a legit, just straight-up podcast. This isn't audio taken from a live stream or anything like that, so let's get into it. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like I think I explained in the very the last episode is that I just needed some time, uh, to just kind of like regroup and focus on what was important. Um, at the time of the last upload, it was, I think it was about a year ago. Um, I just needed to focus on family. I needed to focus on running. I need to focus on work, YouTube, uh, filmmaking, all of that. Uh, and the podcast was just one of those things where it was like, it was like, I love, I absolutely love podcasting, but it was just kind of like hard to keep up. So we're going to, you know, move past that. And I'm going to try to start uploading again. Um, one of the things that got me kind of like back on this, uh, you know, kick where I'm like, okay, I got to start podcasting again is that I was just interviewed on the adventure joggers podcast. So I think that's going to be coming out really soon. Um, middle of May, he said. So yeah, that was really fun. Just talking to Ryan. Um, we actually met, uh, for the first time in person at a race a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was my first race of 2023. It was called the grind on the grid backyard ultra. And it was just, it was a really, really awesome race. It was hosted by my friend, Matt, uh, Matt Cantrell. And he, just did an amazing job. It's the second year of the race and it's just fantastic. Like this race is absolutely amazing. Um, it's, uh, held in Petersburg, Indiana. Uh, it's set on this just like beautiful, um, kind of like country farm. Um, there's this big barn there. They have they actually, it's like, it's a wedding venue. So it's like beautiful. Like there's this bridge across some water lights, everything. Like, it's just really, really cool. If you haven't checked out, um, my video on it, go ahead and check it out. Um, I'll try to link it in the show notes here, uh, to make it easy for you guys. But yeah, it was just, it was an awesome, awesome event. Um, I went into it with a decent amount of training, um, like for, uh, for April, it was, the race was mid April. It was like April 15th or something like that. Uh, so, you know, here in the Midwest, it's really hard to get your training in during the winter. (laughs) So I just, yeah, uh, it's hard to do. I'll just tell you that. Um, a lot of, a lot of miles on the treadmill, a lot of, um, just, man, just trying to grind it out in the cold weather. And it's not so much snow or anything like that. Like, in fact, we didn't really get that much snow this year at all. Uh, it was mostly just, it's that Midwest wind. It just, it's, it's so, so painful to be out there. Uh, and I know that kind of like, yeah, it sounds like I'm being a wuss or whatever, but man, it was just like, like the winters here in Indiana are just tough. So anyone that lives in the Midwest, or I'm sure like there's a lot of places like that. Um, it's just tough, you know? So came into the race with a decent amount of training and I thought, you know, if I can do, um, my goal is to do 50 miles, which the format of a backyard race is a little bit interesting. It's not the same as just a regular race where you just go out and run. Uh, it's not set up like a trail race with 
aid stations uh, exactly. What it is uh, is a 4.18 mile loop. And in this case, it was almost entirely pavement, uh, which is was kind of unique uh, to this backyard race. There are a lot of backyard races that have variable terrain. Um, there's definitely some that are just all pavement. Uh, this one, it was set up you know, kind of like out in the middle of nowhere, out on country roads. Um, but that was one of the appeals of it. Uh, you can actually go there and you can approach the race differently uh, because it is almost all pavement. You can you can kind of take it at a little bit easier pace a little bit sometimes. Like it's not, there's, there's no real hills or anything like that. Um, there's no terrain. It's like hard to get through. Um, so you can, you can spend a little bit more time moving at a slower pace and still be fine. So that was really cool. I really, you know, I just really liked it a lot. Um, went, uh, there was a bunch of, uh, friends there from Indiana, obviously, like a lot of people locally came out. There were people that traveled from far away, um, because it is also a, uh, Laz has it on the backyard circuit. So I don't know exactly all the details in that, but basically if you get, um, I think like you have to, it's like set up on an average over all the races on the circuit. So I think that you had to hit like 150 miles or something was for this year. And then you could get, um, put into like a lottery for the backyard national championships. Uh, that Laz puts on. So it was just, it's an interesting, you know, like it's, it was just a really fun, fun race. Uh, as far as my goals and my performance, uh, you know, like I went out there shooting for 50 miles. Um, and I got, I finished the race with 42 point something. Um, so ended up not hitting my goal for the day, but, as far as miles go, but I did do like everything I wanted to do out there and have a really good training day. Uh, you know, backyard races are tough because they're just like you, the the point of the race is to do 4.81 miles every hour. You have to start on the hour. And so there's a lot of strategy involved as to how fast are you going to run these loops Um, so my first loop was around 45 minutes. And so I had like 15 minutes, uh, to that you like have to wait around, uh, in order to like start the next loop. Um, and then the, most of the loops I averaged right around 47 or 48 minutes. So I would always have about 12 ish minutes, uh, to kind of regroup. Uh, it was always good to have some time, you know, to fill up your water bottles, get, um, some nutrition in, if you need to put on some sunscreen, change clothes or shoes. If you need to, I did change shoes at the 20 mile mark. I started the race in the Hoka Clifton nines, did 20 miles in them. And then I was starting to feel, um, I was starting to feel a little bit of a hot spot on one of my big toes. And so I decided to, Switch shoes, uh, I had been wanting to try the Nike Invincible 3s uh, in a long-distance situation. Uh, so I put those on uh, and did the rest of the race, the next 22 miles in the Invincible 3s. 
Uh, and if you're wondering like how it ended up to be like 42, it's because of those, like it's 4.8, 4.18 miles per loop. Uh, and you know, the GPS is always just like slightly different. Like I did, you know, run around back and forth to the car and stuff, uh, to get some stuff. So it was like, there's some, there's some extra distance in there, um, as well, back and forth to, uh, the bathroom and all that, you know? So, um, yeah, changed shoes about halfway, really liked both of them. Uh, and it was really cool to see kind of like the difference in what the Hoka Clifton could bring on a long distance situation and then what the invincibles could bring, uh, in a long distance situation. Uh, and actually the, you know, my first impressions of both of those, like put back to back, um, is that the, the Clifton was really, really great, um, for the upper, like around the heel collar, um, the Achilles area, um, through the midfoot, fantastic the problem that i had was that um it was starting it was well the shoes the version they sent me was the all black version and so when the sun started to come out and running on the roads that long um my feet started to heat up a lot because the upper was it's just all black so my toe box area was getting really warm and I could feel that. And that was causing some issue, I think with my big toe rubbing a little bit because the Clifton's are a lot more narrow, uh, in the toe area than other shoes sometimes are. Um, so I really liked them a lot though. Um, the midsole fantastic for kind of long, slow days, just like that. The outsole is totally fine, um, for, road running. That's what they're made for. Uh, the invincible was like, I really liked the midsole better. Uh, it's the full zoom X foam. Uh, the outsole was nice. There was a little bit less, um, friction, I would say. Uh, it kind of like your toe off is a little bit quicker. Um, there's just a little bit less friction on with the outsole rubber on there. The Hoka Clifton's a little bit grippier is what I'm saying. So I, I could tell as soon as I put on the Invincibles, um, I was getting a little bit of a, like an energy savings and a little bit of boost from the ZoomX foam and the outsole. I was saving a little bit of energy there too, because I wasn't having to, it's like, it's just like, like little micro bits of energy, you know, but it's every time you tow off, uh, if there's a little bit of extra friction or pull coming from the outsole, like making it like, you can just feel it gripping a little bit more. Um, the invincible was a little bit faster, uh, of a toe off in that sense. Uh, upper is fantastic on the invincible. Uh, it's a little bit more breathable than the Clifton as well. So my foot cooled down. It was also a different color. It was like a light blue, uh, color. So the sun wasn't heating it up as much. Uh, the one thing that I didn't like about the invincible right off the bat, I could tell big difference, uh, between the Clifton and the invincible was that the heel collar on the invincible is a lot more rigid. And so right away, like I could feel, um, around my heel collar, like, especially around kind of like my ankle bones, it was just like, oh, like that's there, like, that's, uh, a lot of pressure there. Like that's just, it's not flexible at all. More rigid. Uh, didn't like that. Uh, and then also the, um, uh, the tongue is thinner 
And so tightening the laces down, like I felt immediately like extra pressure on top. So it was really, really cool, honestly, to see like the differences in those two shoes in a long distance ultra type event. Like um, just to compare them back to back was just, it was awesome. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, what would I pick going forward? I think <clears throat> if I was to do this race again, I would probably, like, I would lean more towards the Clifton than the Invincible uh, because of the comfort of the heel collar and tongue area and the upper. Um, I think I would definitely get a lighter color of the Clifton, especially if it's going to be a sunny day. You're going to be out there for a long time. Um, but it would, I mean, honestly, it would be a hard decision. Uh, if you can get away with the Invincible uh, with the area around the heel collar, uh, if that feels really comfortable to you, um, then the midsole and the outsole is definitely an advantage, uh, over there. Plus it's bre more breathable. So it's kind of, it was kind of a toss up between the two, but, um, yeah, that was just kind of a little overview. As far as other gear, um, I started with, um, some, they were, uh, swift wick socks, uh, just like ankle socks, uh, I was wearing with the Clifton's and they were great. Uh, I did switch socks and when I switched shoes and I switched into some, uh, exoskin socks, some toe socks. And like right away that helped with whatever friction I was feeling on my toes. Like that went away after I put on the exoskins and changed shoes. So that was great. Um, let's see shorts. I wore, uh, the, uh, um, T8 system. So it was like the, uh, spandex, uh, liners, and then like a, uh, a little bit more loose, uh, short over top. And that was great. Cause I was able to put, um, like anything I needed in there, like gels or anything. I actually didn't carry anything. What I ended up carrying was a handheld, uh, once the sun kind of came up and it got warmer. Uh, for nutrition, I was using all Morton uh, drink mix, uh, which I think worked out great. Um, I did start to feel a little bit nauseous um, towards the end, and I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, as far as other gear, I just was wearing a um, Solomon race shirt, uh, just kind of like, uh, I forget what the name of it is, but it's just, it was one of their cheaper, uh, just like uh, t-shirts, but it's a uh, more of a race shirt. Uh, and then I was wearing a normal hat and that was great because, uh, the normal hat is awesome. Uh, you can find it on their website. It's super lightweight. The bill is very flexible also. So when I was running into the sun, I was able to turn the hat forward and the bill was flexible enough that it wasn't like catching a whole lot of wind. Like it was just, um, it was able to block the sun, but not be super annoying in the wind and not fly away. And then when I was running away from the sun, uh, I was able to flip the hat around backwards and it was able to kind of shade my neck. Uh, so yeah, really, really like that hat. Uh, the watch I was wearing the Coros Apex Pro 2. Uh, and that was really cool. Uh, I set it up. So like I took off for m most of my watches that, uh, if I can remember, I take off the mile, um, indicator, the mile notification that dings and kind of creates an auto lap. Uh, most of my watches I've taken that off now because it's just 
I don't really feel like I need it so much anymore. Um, it's kind of cool, you know, like when you're training just to see, like be reminded of your miles popping up, but in a race situation, uh, I think it's always best to take that off, especially ultras, because if you're running a hundred miler and you get a hundred of those notifications, like that's, uh, that begins to get a little annoying. <laughs> so, uh, I took the notifications off of there. Um, and it just, yeah. It was great. Uh, I set it up so that I would hit the lap button at the beginning of every lap and at the end of every lap. And so I could easily um, see um, my lap time, uh, which is really cool. So like I could always tell um, how quickly I was running each lap. Like I didn't have to do any math in my head. I just had a big number on the first page of the watch that had, uh, the time of that lap running and then the miles underneath it. So I knew by the, you know, after the fourth or fourth or fifth lap, you like know exactly where you are in the loop and what your times have been recently. And so it's like, okay, you know, we're hitting this turn, like we should be around 23 minutes or we should be right around 40 minutes as we're passing this house. Uh, so, you know, we kind of got, um, you get that in your head, but it was great. Like I just had two fields on my watch. I just had the time going and then the mile marker or the mile uh, counter both for that specific lap. So then when I came in, finished the lap, I would hit the lap button and then it would show me just a timer for like my rest time basically. And, uh, I also had, uh, right below it, I had the time of day, uh, so when I came in, I would hit the lap button and I would scroll to the second page. So it would have like my timer going for that lap and then the time of day. So I could always see, um, you know, what's the top of the next hour, like how close are we? So that was great. I really loved that, uh, system. The Coros Apex Pro worked great. Um, obviously it's a GPS is really good. Uh, heart rate monitor I thought was okay throughout the day. Like I was never really pushing it at all. Like my heart rate was really low because you know, the point of this type of race is to just kind of keep it easy as you're going and uh, not really stress yourself out as much as you can uh, get into the end of each lap uh, with some left in the tank but then also you know take some time to fix what needs to be fixed refuel replenish all that kind of stuff so yeah finished the day with 42 miles the reason why I stopped okay I'll talk about this a little bit and it's kind of like this was the first race of the year is also one of the first hot days of the year. Uh, most of our, uh, you know, spring in Indiana can be anywhere from, you know, 20 degrees all the way up to 60, 70 degrees. Uh, we, but we really didn't have that many warm days. It was really, it's been a really kind of cold spring, I would say. So, this was the first day that it cracked like 80 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe. Uh, and that was, you know, the temperature for most of the afternoon. It was around 80 degrees. So my body just, it was the first time I had really experienced that heat since last year. Uh, so there was really no way to train for it, no way to like heat train or do any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I was kind of just like heat training on the day during the race. <laughs> so that didn't, you know, it worked fine until it didn't. Um, basically I made it through nine laps 
Uh, so what would that be like 37, 38 miles, something like that. Uh, and I was feeling okay. And then at the, the very end of the ninth lap, when I was sitting there getting ready for the 10th, I was like, oh man, like this is tough. I think it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. Sun was like right above us. It had been for a few hours, super hot. We were just, you know, you know, sun blazing down on us. And I was like, okay, like this lap is going to decide kind of what happens the rest of the day either. And I kind of like thought possibly, you know, I was like, this could be my last lap because I felt myself just starting to feel overheated. So I was like, take it easy this lap, get back in, see what happens. Uh, and about halfway through the lap, I started feeling just like really overheated, started feeling sick, uh, started getting dizzy kind of the second half of the lap, I was just really in a bad spot. Uh, just couldn't really run without my heart rate kind of like, you know, just like getting too high. I know I didn't want it that high. Um, anytime I, you know, tried to run, I was just like getting overheated. Um, the, uh, then towards the end, I was also just like, kind of stumbling and swerving on the road, like just walking. Uh, and it was really hard to just kind of keep any sense of the race together. Like it was just like, I knew it was over. Uh, so I walked like the last half of the lap came in with two minutes left and pretty much just went straight back to where we were set up and just like laid down in the grass in the shade. <laughs> uh, Cause we had a tent set up, um, just laid down in the shade and it felt like like two seconds went by and then all of a sudden, uh, they were blowing the whistle to start the next lap. So I just, you know, wasn't able to start. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, like you, so many, so much goes through your head. Like when you're looking back on a situation and you wonder, maybe could I have, uh, started that lap had I, you know, just stayed on my feet, but I was in a pretty bad place and also just didn't want to, like completely wreck myself. Uh, like I knew if I stopped, um, I'd gone 10 hours, 42 miles. I was feeling pretty good about that. I knew if I stopped, I could kind of recover over the next hour or two and drive home and probably be fine the next day. Uh, nothing to worry about. And so that's what I did. Um, just hung out for two more hours, uh, two more laps and was able to kind of cheer on my friends, hang out with Matt a little bit. Um, and then, just headed home. Uh, and yeah, like I said, it was basically fine the next day. <laughs> Not even really that sore. Um, you know, a little tight, but it wasn't bad at all. Like I think my training leading up to it had been pretty good. I've been averaging about 50 miles a week, uh, leading into that first week or two of April. Uh, and so running a 40 ish mile ultra was good. Like I was in a good spot to do that. Uh, so then since then, like the week after, I think I ran like, uh, 50 miles. Yeah. I did 50 miles the week after, um, looking at my training right now. Uh, and then the following week after that hit another 50. Uh, so it's been good. Like since this race, I haven't really taken uh, a break at all. I think this week I'm going to take a little bit of a down week, um, just cause it's been five weeks in a row over 50 miles with one week with 70 miles. So take a little bit of a down week this coming week, uh, and then going to 
like jump into it and start hitting it hard again. Um, because I'm looking at right now, like I'm, I'm actually not signed up for any races right now, which is a really weird, scary feeling. Um, you know, if you follow my YouTube channel, you know that I jumped into a handful of lotteries, Western States and hard rock, obviously, but then also I was in the high lonesome lottery. Uh, didn't get picked for any of those. So we won't be doing any of any of those three races. What I'm looking at right now is the number one thing I have to do is I have to get a hard rock qualifier. And in order to do that, uh, there's only a handful of races that you can do. Um, most of them are already sold out now. There's a handful that aren't sold out right now. Um, Mogian Monster and I Am Tough uh, is what I'm kind of looking at right now with leaning towards Mogian Monster. Um, I have never done a race in Arizona. I've ran in Arizona a couple times, um, just over the years. Um, I did a, I had a work trip out to, I think Scottsdale or something like a couple years ago, uh, I was able to get some running in, um, during that. And yeah, it was fun. Uh, some trail runs out there. Um, but yeah, I really want to run in Arizona. I really want to do a hundred miler out there. Uh, Mogian Monster seems like a really fun one. Um, just everything I've seen of it looks awesome. And the risk of doing a kind of like late season race like that is that you're kind of putting all of the pressure on that one race. Uh, two years ago, I did Cruel Jewel in the spring. Um, and that was great because I knew that, you know, if I didn't for some reason I DNF that race or something went wrong or I got hurt or got sick, couldn't finish it. Or if it got canceled, um, I knew that I would be able to pick something up in the fall. Um, but as of right now, um, I'm planning on doing a fall race, you know, but that's how I, that's how it's worked the last couple of times. Four years ago, I did run rabbit run. Uh, that was in September and six years ago I did grindstone, in October. So, uh, you know, my first two hard rock qualifiers were, were in the fall. Um, I love, love fall races. Um, so excited to get back into it. Although now, you know, just with the way qualifying goes, it feels like this spot I'm in is a little bit more, uh, precious or precarious. I don't know what word you want to use, but, um, it feels like there's more at stake now because as of now I have six years worth of applying to be in hard rock. And if I mess that up <laughs> and something goes wrong at Mogian monster, uh, there's really no second chances because by, by fall, all these races are going to be sold out. And plus I'm probably not going to have the money to travel to a second one. <laughs> so kind of like putting everything on the line at that race. So that's going to be something that I'm really, really going to have to be like, just like incredibly trained up for. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I am just, I'm really excited about it, but also really nervous about it. But in order to train for that race, I'm planning on doing a race in the summer as well. So as of right now, I'll probably do Burning River, which is in July, which I've always wanted to do that race as well. It's a really, really hot race. Um, so good training for future like Western States. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's an out and back 50 miles, middle of July, <laughs> Midwest. It's going to be really hot and nasty. Um, but that's kind of like part of it. Like that's part of the draw to it. Like I know I'm going to hate it while I'm in it, <laughs> but it's part of that training and all that. So if I, if I can get that finished, that'll be great. That'll be my Western States qualifier of the year. Um, and then Mogi and Monster, hopefully. Um, and then that's probably it. Like that'd be two hundreds, um, in the same year. If I can knock out both of those, that'll be the first time I've done two hundreds in a year ever. I've attempted two hundreds multiple times. I've attempted, there was one year where I attempted three. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've always finished at least one every year for the last six, um, yeah, last six years. I've always finished at least one hundred miler. So that's kind of like what the outlook is, uh, right now. Really, really looking forward to just putting my head down and training hard. Um, as of right now, I don't have any travel plans for filming, um, which the last three years I've gone out to Western States, which has been amazing. Um, this year I'm kind of thinking about like, I mean, if, if I get a really, really, really good offer to come out there, I'll, I'd probably consider it. Um, but I'm also kind of like, you know, like that just makes June super crazy. And with just a few weeks before a big hundred miler, um, you know, like there's just, there's part of me that kind of wants to take a break. Um, as ridiculous as that sounds, <laughs> take a break from Western States, but it's just a, you know, like if I get a really good offer, like I'll probably take it, but it would be nice to just put my head down and train through the summer, get into burning river and really have a good solid race there where I didn't have many distractions leading up to it because I still, I still have not hit my potential in a race in a hundred miler. I still have not reached my potential and that, that grinds at me. Um, so yeah, we'll see if I can, we'll see if I can, uh, train really well over the next, I think we have 12 weeks until burning river. So I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to give it everything I have and see if I can reach my potential. Uh, like I said, I would really love to do a sub 24 hours. That's always been my goal for all of these Midwest races that I do. Sub 24 is always the goal. Um, however, I've never been able to hit it. So that's been, you know, kind of a bummer. Uh, a lot of these races, uh, honestly, so the only races I've ever DNF'd have been Midwest hundred milers. Um, all the other hundred milers I've done, I've finished. Um, but these Midwest races, for some reason, I try to go out uh, a little bit too hard probably, uh, and try to run faster. A lot of them, they're also in the summer. I don't think I've done, uh, any of like the hard rock qualifiers. They've always been either spring or fall. So yeah, you know, it's just, it's just me. Like I just need to go out. I need to have a good race. I need to train well. Uh, and go out and just execute. So that's what I'm going to try and do. Sub 24 is my goal for Burning River. Uh, it's at the end of July. Um, big goal for me. Um, moving on though, 
Um, they're just kind of like a teaser, something that's going to be coming soon uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll be talking about it more in podcasts uh, as we go. But I have been uh, working with a brand new uh, nutrition, uh, sports nutrition company. Uh, and I've been testing their product for the last couple weeks, maybe two weeks, basically since Grind on the Grid. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's awesome. It works really well for me. Uh, so that, that product is going to launch uh, sometime in May. So you'll find out about that actually this month. <laughs> We're in May now. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so very excited about that. I'll talk to you more about that and you'll see some videos probably where I'm using uh, this new product. Um, yeah, other gear stuff. I'm really excited about um, like all the shoe reviews I'm doing. Um, just working on a lot of different, um, a lot of road shoes, a lot of trail shoes. Just getting out and getting a lot of miles in a lot of different shoes uh, to you know test out, make videos for you guys. Uh, some of my favorite shoes right now. Um, I think you know a big favorite of mine right now is the Nike Vaporfly three percents or Next Percent three. I think it's called. <laughs> Uh, it's just, the box says Nike Vaporfly 3. Okay. So we're going to go with that. Uh, that's been my favorite road shoe, um, over the last couple of weeks. Every time I put that shoe on, it's just like, oh man, it's just, it's just incredible. Um, I'm able to run very easily in it. Um, good times. Like my, my average mile pace just drops every time I put that shoe on. Uh, it's really good. It's going to be a really good race shoe for a lot of people. Um, it's really good for tempo runs, especially like kind of like long, um, harder efforts. Um, it's good for intervals too, like short intervals, but I would put this shoe much more towards like a longer, harder effort. Um, and then as far as trail shoes go right now, um, my favorite, oh my gosh, the Hoka Tecton X2, like, it's just crazy. It's crazy how good that shoe is. Like last year, that was my trail shoe of the year. Um, and this year it might be as well. Like I haven't, I haven't put on another trail shoe that's, um, going to beat it out at this point. So really excited about that. Um, my first impression video went up a couple weeks ago uh, and I've been able to put, um, a few more runs in it. So excited to release a full review video soon. Um, but yeah, just really excited. Like there's a lot of different, a lot of different really good shoes out there. Another road shoe that I'm liking a lot is the Saucony Endorphin Shift 3. Um, that's been kind of my workhorse shoe over the past couple weeks. Just any time that I need to put in like a medium effort run of 7 to 15 miles, honestly, that's just a really great shoe to pick. Um, it's not super light. Um, it's not super fast. Um, but what it is, um, is just really dependable. It's got a really good, um, geometry to it. So the foot strike through the foot, uh, through the, through the whole foot strike and the toe off is just really, really nice. It's predictable. Um, it just helps you through the whole foot strike. It's great, great shoe. Upper is nice and, um, nice and snug in all the right places and the heel collar is just great. So really been liking that shoe a lot recently. Um, also been testing out a couple from Solomon, uh, Solomon sense ride fives and the, um, ultra glide two and the max glide 
and what else? There's a couple more from Solomon I've been testing out. We got a lot of Solomon shoes recently, um, but they've all been pretty much as expected. Solomon shoes are always, uh, they always have a certain high level of construction, build, quality, all of that, and their performance is always really good too. Um, the thing with Solomon's that I haven't been able to use them in 100 milers uh, because is due to there's not always a ton of cushion underneath your foot. They're kind of, they're, you know, in my mind, they're meant for either shorter races, like marathon to 50 K to 50 milers for more average people. Or if you're a faster runner, like more pro or elite, um, you could definitely use them for hundreds and beyond. But, um, like I think if your if your feet are used to the pounding of you know 100 miles a week, or you know maybe even 75, 80 miles a week consistently, I think you'd probably be fine in a pair of Solomons for 100 miles. But if you fall into more of like um, the more of what I'd say most people fall into the range of anywhere in between 30 to 50, 60 miles a week at your tops. Um, I think the Solomons would be just a little rough on your feet um, as you get really deep into a hundred. Um, so yeah, that is just kind of like what I think about um, the shoe landscape right now. Um, there's a lot of other shoes that I've got in for testing and just kind of taking a look at my shelf right now. Um, oh, also the Hoka, um, Rocket X2s have been amazing. Those are it's a pair of road shoes with carbon fiber plate in them. Um, that's been really, really fun to run in. Um, I've, talking, I've talked a little bit about the Hoka Clifton 9s. Those have been great. The Invincibles have been great. Another shoe that's been kind of interesting has been the Kraft CTM Ultra 3. Uh, that's been a fun shoe to uh, just mess around a little bit in. Uh, maybe three or four runs I've gone in with that shoe. Um, really, really interesting. The upper is, uh, it's got kind of like a seamless mesh design. There's not much to the upper at all, but it's really snug, really secure. Uh, and the midsole is a really great midsole. So the outsole is a little bit kind of like a bike tire. It's very, very grippy, um, but it's not sticky uh, on pavement or anything like that. So there's not a whole lot of friction, um, but there's plenty of grip for if you need to go off onto some gravel or kind of dirt, really tame dirt trails. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, next episode, I'm planning to talk about, um, some things that have been happening in, um, the elite. Uh, there's been some crazy stuff going on, uh, in the triathlon world with, doping. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit, uh, as how it relates to ultra running because, uh, ultra running as far as, uh, in a lot of ways is, you know, maybe five to 10 years behind triathlon where they are as far as development, as far as kind of like recognition, but then also as far as, in my opinion, as far as the level, the amount of pros that are in it. And then also I think within the next four or five to 10 years, uh, definitely 10 years from now, we're going to be seeing a lot of doping in ultra running and it's going to become a problem if it's not already there. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit and let you know about my thoughts on how that's affecting the triathlon world right now and 
how I see it creeping into the ultra endurance world. So talk about that next time. Um, we'll also talk uh, a little bit about um, just some other training aspects that have to do more with stability um, and um, working um, just kind of like rounding out the um, training regimen or it's not, it doesn't have to always be running. It can be other things um, like uh, training your core, you know, training your hips, uh, making sure that you're good and strong lifting weights. So I'll talk about that a little bit next time as well um, and kind of let you in on a little bit of my routine and let you know how things are going. So with that said, thank you so much for joining me on this most recent episode of the podcast. Hope to uh, see you next time. Thanks for stopping by.